Hey guys, TJ here. We're on this second part of how to have healthy relationships in this episode. So if you haven't listened to the first part, go ahead and listen to that. Um, but in the second part, we're talking about signs of healthy relationships as a starting point. And then we'll use that to move into other topics of discussion, some deeper level stuff, things you don't think about when you wake up in the morning, but they affect your life every day. In particular, one of the things that we get into is the idea of healing and how that actually impacts how we perceive what other people say. And so I think that's really going to be helpful for you. If you're working on your relationships, if, if it doesn't mean that something has to be wrong in them, but if you're just focused on relationship and that matters to you, this is going to be a great episode for you. If you find value, please share this with a friend, somebody else who's working on relationships. Um, please leave a rating or review. That definitely helps other people find this content. And, you know, this is something that we really believe in working with clients, relationships, health and wealth are the three key areas that we're really focused on. And, and in relationships, there's so much to be uncovered. There's so much to talk about. So just recognize that this is, this is not something that needs to be, you know, done overnight. Um, this is something that can be worked on over time, but just having it front of mind, that right there, just by listening and being here, man, you are doing the right thing. That's awesome. So um, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Been talking about relationships for the last couple weeks. We're going to have um, a series on the podcast releasing later this week, all on relationships. And um, yeah, just wanted to pick up on that conversation. Last time we were talking about signals of unhealthy relationships, uh, signals of unhealthy relationships and helping you identify where there might be dysfunction in your life. Now, when it comes to having healthy relationships, remember this is the context that I gave you or that I was trying to leave you with, which was for most of my life, I thought I had healthy relationships. I was very good at relationships. And so even just that idea that I was living in dysfunction, well, that, that was a lot for me to handle because I had been, in my own eyes, good at relationships. So you can imagine as you start to think about, wow, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm not as good at relationships as I think I am, or if I've been living in more dysfunction than I realized, what does that mean? What does it mean to be healthy? Does it mean that I need to get rid of everything that I've done in relationships? Does that mean that that's not going to um, to help me get to, to the life that I want to lead? And so today I, I wanted to really just kind of hone in on a couple ideas, give you some signs or signals around what are implications of healthy relationships. How do you know if you if you do have healthy relationships? And I think the first thing that anybody needs to understand is that it can be cloudy and sunny at the same time. Meaning we can have both exist in our life. We can have unhealthy relationships and, and healthy relationships in our lives, or even in the same relationship, we can have poor health and good health in one area. We do well in another area. We don't do that well. And so I think it's important to first just recognize that this is not so much black and white. Um, now with that said, I had referenced psychology today just as a starting point or launch point last time to give you some signs or signals of of poor health in relationships. I just thought it was a good kind of reference point, but 
I'm coming back to that today for um, just a couple, again, launch points around what it, what it looks like to have healthy relationships. What's going on, David? And, um, and so the first, the first thing that is listed is that you and your partner are on the same page, you and your partner are on the same page or you and your friend even are on the same page in terms of your values, your goals. Um, you both know what you want out of life. You have common goals, shared vision, whatever it might be. And, you know, whatever you wish to accomplish in life, you guys are heading in that trajectory together, right? And, you know, here's here's the reality. Here's the reality for most people. They don't understand uh, what their basic values are. They don't understand what their basic goals are, where they're going in life. You don't need to have a vision board, a mood board, a, a mantra. You don't need any of that. But you do need to have an understanding of what are your standards? What are your convictions? Uh, what do you believe? And this is key. This is really key for people. And people get into relationships without understanding a lot of these things. And that's okay. But what they'll come to realize is that if they don't have that groundwork, if we don't have that foundation already down there, you know, for the relationship to stand on, well, the relationship won't, won't withstand the tests of adversity, of storms, of difficulty, which are guaranteed. If you're in a relationship long enough, that stuff is guaranteed. And so for us being able to understand, wow, I need to have some understanding of my basic convictions, my values, uh, my trajectory, where am I going in life? If that's confused to me, well, it's going to be confused to somebody else too. And I think for me personally, one of the things that um, actually my wife and I talk about on this podcast that's being released this week on relationships, um, one of the things personally that I went through was I had gone through this really powerful awakening. I, I was going through this really powerful awakening in my life and I started to see, wow, like how I define success looks different now. It's not entirely clear to me what that means, um, but I need to get that sorted out before I can take the next step in my relationship uh, with my, at the girl, at the time, my girlfriend, I need to get some of this sorted out before I can really know for sure. Like it's, it's clear to me who I am, where I'm going. And so I can invite somebody else into that process. I appreciate you, David. He said, you are a champion. <laughs> um, and, and it's true that we do have to, um, we do have to know who we are. You know, we have to, we have to be able to understand uh, to some level, we have to have self-awareness about, you know, what we do and don't have, have conviction about. So we can at least be real with ourselves to say, wow, okay, you know, I'm stepping into this relationship without that clarity, I'm making that decision. Or I'm stepping into this relationship, I do have that clarity, they know that, they disagree, I'm making this decision. What happens with a lot of people is they step into relationship without actually being conscious of that decision. And then they end up in all kinds of difficulty, disagreement, whatever it might be. It's like, if you look at it in hindsight, if you say, wow, okay, well, you know, now I have the awareness to see it because I'm not in the mess. I put myself in this situation. I allowed this to happen. I, you know, whatever, whatever it was, we can, we could say that about, you know, almost any situation that we find ourselves in, in life. 
Um, because we are not, and I, I can't, not all the time, but 99% of the time, we are not victims, right? We are not powerless in these situations. The question is, are we conscious? Are we self-aware enough to see the decisions that we're making? And I think a lot of us um, are making decisions, and I see this all the time, and we're going to talk about this on February 18th. I'm hosting an event February 18th, and it's, it's called Real Talk. Um, and, uh, and we're going to be talking about this, but a lot of us don't understand where we are in what's called our identity formation process. Now, our identity formation process, there's four parts to it, okay? So there's the don't know, don't care. There's the I, I know and don't really care. And I'll explain these two, and you'll get the second two because of it. Don't know, don't care. I don't know what I don't know, and I don't care that I don't know it. Um, that's people who are basically walking around with their eyes closed. Then you got the people who are, I kind of know, and I don't really care. And that's the people who are like half awake, and they recognize that they're making decisions that um, will have an impact on their future, but they don't really care about it. They're just kind of following along with whatever was handed to them without really ever thinking about it twice. Okay, so there's the fourth and the third stage right there. The second stage is really about um, people who are highly conscious, highly aware that they make decisions that impact their future and they really care. And they really, really, really care. And so these are the people who will do anything to figure out, find answers. These are the people in their awakening is what I call it. Okay, these are the people who are like, high level of urgency, high level of importance. I got to figure out what do I care about? What are my values? What are my convictions? Who am I? Where am I going in life? And normally this happens, okay? Level two happens when somebody experiences loss. Somebody loses the idea of a dream that they had once had because they found that dream come to reality and it didn't bring them everything they thought it would be. So a less than fulfilled life is one example. You make it to the top, you make a bunch of money, you realize you're not fulfilled and you're not happy. That's loss for somebody. Another example of loss for somebody would be uh, you are in a relationship, you thought it was going one direction, all of a sudden uh, it changes totally like unbeknownst, you didn't see the signs coming and now you're kind of in the state of loss like, oh my gosh, what do I do with my, myself and my life? Um, maybe it's this idea of just general purpose and the loss of the, of the purpose and general sense of direction that you were, uh, having or, or directing in your life. And you realize you're not in full control of everything. And there might be something greater than, than what you had a perspective of. So then you become highly aware of that and you're like, wow, I need to do something. I need to figure this out. And so we start engaging with people when they're at this level two stage of identity formation, we start engaging with them because that's normally when they they're highly motivated, they're searching, they're aware, they're conscious, they're, you know, having really God's doing something on their heart and they're asking themselves the tough questions and they're asking themselves, wow, we're like, where do I even start? Do I have to start all over? And these are normally like we call them like smart, high performing, high functioning people who just feel totally disconnected from their potential. Okay, that's those are the types of people that are in this this level two that we find ourselves talking with a lot. This was me. This was my journey. And I realized, oh, my gosh, like life is not what I thought it was all made out to be. 
And I had this really kind of existential crisis, quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, you know, whoever it's, it was an identity crisis, whether it's quarter mid, you know, a third, whatever you want to call it, it is, it is an identity crisis. And that's because in these four stages of identity formation, people find themselves at level two. They don't, they don't know who they are, where they're going, but they know it matters and they're going to do anything to figure it out. So then you find yourself to move from level two to level one, you really have to develop what's called conviction. You really have to develop conviction. And by the way, if this is resonating with you, and if you're like, wow, somebody else needs to hear this, please share. Like, please share this right now with somebody who needs to be hearing this, because I know there's more than one person who needs to be hearing this message. If you rewind the tapes to me six years ago, man, I would have been like, this, this would have been my steak dinner right now. I would have been like, somebody knows what I'm thinking and feeling, and this actually makes sense to somebody else besides me. Because I looked around, and I saw a lot of people who were at level three. I saw a lot of people who were consciously looking at their life going, yeah, it's whatever. Like, this is what this is what it is. You can't change it. That's not true. Like, that's not true. And they had just kind of accepted, consciously accepted, which to me is worse than than blindly accepted, they had accepted that this is the way it is. And I was like, uh, absolutely not. Whatever this is of like just working to make money, of uh, not feeling free internally, because really freedom is not is not finances, okay? Finances bring you flexibility. Freedom is internal. And I didn't have the revelation of understanding of forgiveness and all these other things. And what God was doing in my heart was so powerful, but I just couldn't put words to it. And I didn't know that anybody else was going through it. So I was like, man, am I the only one Am I the only one going through this? And if that's you right now, no, you're not the only one, period. You're not the only one. And you should 100% like show up for our event on February 18th. It's going to be online and it's going to be real talk, like super, super, super real. We're going to dive deep into some of the stuff that I'm describing. As it relates to um, your identity formation relationships, though, when you go from level two to level one through developing conviction, you actually, there's there's a lot more than conviction that you develop. Conviction actually comes from an encounter, I believe, an encounter with God. I believe it, it it's it's an encounter with God. It's not religion, okay? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about conviction from an encounter with God that you yourself personally experience something where you're like, this is unique to me. This is not just something I read and intellectualize. This is unique to me. And I've had evidence of this over a course of time where I can, without a doubt, look at my life and go, wow, God is faithful to me. God is faithful to me. And I don't have to strive to earn his love. He is faithful to me. He shows up in my life. And I actually see that with my own eyes. And I develop conviction around the change that he wants to do to me. And it's this process of surrendering. It's this crazy idea where it's a combination of surrender and personal responsibility, okay? So when this happens, you develop a, a level of openness, a level of openness to God entering your life and being a leader in your life, okay? You develop a level of openness. When you surrender, you're open to God doing something in you. And then here's the other key. You actually then have to have the discipline to follow through on the change that he's done in you through lifestyle choices and other things. So it's not just conviction when you go from level two to level one and in this identity formation, it's not just conviction that you develop. You actually also have to develop the discipline. 
the discipline and discipline comes from the word disciple, which means to teach. And you have to teach yourself how to be different from the changes that you're actually experiencing over time. You have to teach yourself how to be different. And one of the ways that you teach yourself how to be different is you start looking at your life with an evaluation lens and you start to ask yourself, hmm, maybe the way that I've thought life ought to be lived, maybe the way that I'm engaging with life or the lens that I've been engaging with people, maybe even in my relationships, maybe it's different than how I thought it ought to be. And you'll see a lot of stuff out there right now on, and this will only make sense to you. Um, again, guys, I've got some people, Kyron, thanks for tagging. If this, if this is making sense to you, share this with somebody who needs to hear it because I, I think back to myself, I'm like, this needed to be in my ears like six years ago. I did not know anybody who was going through this journey and I thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy because I was like, does anybody understand what it, what it means to have an identity crisis? But you're like, you're, you know, you're smart. You can figure things out. You normally have been able to figure things out. You're motivated, but then all of a sudden you're not motivated. You got all these other, and does anybody get it? Like, but God's doing something and is it me? Is it God? And the reality is when you start looking at your life and evaluating, okay, and you start seeing, this is what I was about to talk about with this idea of trauma and the inner child. Okay. You start seeing, wow, there's a lot of dysfunction in my life that I didn't necessarily realize until now, because I had my awakening, I'm looking at my life through this evaluation lens because I've developed conviction, okay? As you start looking at your life and you start to see for yourself, oh my gosh, there's so much dysfunction that I have allowed into my life. What do I do with these relationships? What do I do with this job? What do I do with the way that I'm being treated? By the way, that starts with how you treat yourself, okay? And so, as you start to realize that you start to see, oh my gosh, I peel back the onion layer and now I'm going to level deeper. And I start to see, wow, this is actually because of trauma. Trauma is not a word I associated with. Trauma is a word that just simply means, this will make sense. Trauma means something. And I'm, I'm oversimplifying. This is TJ's definition. No, I've never seen this written anywhere. It's something that happens in an amount of time that you don't have the time to process. It's something that happens in an amount of time that you don't have the time to process. Okay, so I want you to think about this now. Think about this. If you have gone through anything in your life where you didn't have the full time to process what just happened, you've experienced some level of trauma. Now, what that could look like is moving homes. It could look like moving schools as a young child. It could look like your parents going through divorce. It could look like watching somebody die. It could look like um, going through a bad breakup. It could look like losing all your money. It could look like losing $100, but to you, that was a meaningful amount of money, okay? And here's the point I'm trying to make is that we all have traumatic experiences. The question is, how significant? It's not if, it's how significant. And unless we understand that we have these traumatic experiences, well, then we look through the lens. Okay, first of all, we aren't able to seek healing. <laughs> and then second of all, we look through that lens of trauma in the world and all we see is our own pain. The same is true in relationships. And if you don't have conviction about what God does with that pain and how he actually brings you healing, and you don't go to, you don't go to him to say, Lord, I just want healing from you and that's it. You go to him because he's Lord and he's Lord over your life. 
and you choose to give him your life and he gives you so much more in, in return. One of those things he gives us is healing. He gives us freedom. He gives us joy. He gives us so many things. But as we go through some of that experience of change, and as we develop from that conviction, we develop confidence, right? We develop confidence in what God can do for our lives. Then we start to see this overflows into every area of our life, including who we start surrounding ourselves with. And those relationships over time just start to change. They evolve. Current relationships are in, evolve into new relationships. Maybe some relationships, they just start to end because you get more conviction. You get more understanding about kind of where you're at in your life and the trajectory that you're heading and whether or not the other people that are in your life are heading on that same trajectory, right? So as you get... Uh, as you get some like understanding, some knowledge, but really, and here's the key, some wisdom about this stuff, you start to see, yeah, okay, you want to have, back to the original point of how to have healthy relationships and talking about signs and signals of healthy relationships, you and your partner are on the same page, you have values, life goals, great. You can put that down on paper, but I promise you, unless that's sitting in your heart from a deep conviction that you both have and have agreed upon, that relationship will face challenges that won't withstand that adversity because you guys are not in agreement about the basic convictions that you each need to have in order to, to be uh, successful in that relationship. And I've seen, I've seen this on both sides. I've seen this work and not work in my life. So I understand it very well. The other thing, if you guys have questions, go ahead and leave, leave a question in the comment. The other thing is um, there's a sense of trust uh, between you. In relationships, and that's a sign of a healthy relationship. But here's here's what happens, okay? And back to the idea of trauma, okay? When people have traumatic lens that they view the world from, because they haven't gone through healing, and we all, to some degree, you know, need to do that. We tend to look at everything with the assumption that eight times out of ten, people are malicious or they have malicious intent. So we hear things and see things through that filter simply because why? We haven't gone through the healing process to see through our own pain, through our own pain. So we don't see through our own pain uh, and therefore all we see is our own pain. And so when we hear somebody else say something, we interpret it in our own pain. Simple example talking with a couple, one thing that came up, and, it, and this is 100% confidential, one thing that comes up is the idea, and this will make so much sense to you guys, the idea of the line, okay? The line, um, it's not about you. Now, that line, if somebody says that to you, if somebody says, it's not about you, now think about this, somebody says, it's not about you, you can take that very personally Right. And you can receive that as, wow, dang, OK, it's not about me. All right. Like maybe, you know, it's my like, is it, is it my issue? I wasn't trying to make it about me. I was just trying to help whatever it might be. Or you can hear it for what it actually is in that moment. And this is a true story, which is, hey, it's actually not it's not about you. There's something that's going on in my heart I don't have words for very different interpretation. But somebody who's hearing it through the lens of their own pain, hears it as, oh, it's not about me. That's my issue. Again, my bad. 
versus wait, actually, it's not about me. How can I help you? It's, it's not about me. So how can I help you? That small shift in how you hear somebody say something is a perfect example of what happens when you go through healing and you're able to see past your own pain, you're able to see past your own challenges to see where somebody's at in their pain and some of the challenges that they're facing and how difficult, how difficult it must be for them to not be able to articulate. Shout out to TJ Loeffler, my guy. Um, and how difficult it must be for them to, to not be able to articulate what um, they're going through and how, like how much pain that actually is for them. Okay. So this key in being able to unlock this for yourself and be able to see, wow, all right, well, I might have trauma in my life. Back to this idea of an inner child. You'll hear a lot of people talk about the idea of the inner child and how you have to reparent yourself because what you recognize is, oh, I've gone through, I've gone through trauma in my life. All right. Now, if this is making sense to you guys, and we're talking about some deeper level stuff, identity, relationships, all of that stuff and being healthy. Um, we're going to cover a lot of this on February 18th in a smaller setting uh, titled Real Talk. OK, so that's going to be in my on my IG feed. You can go to my bio and you can click the link there. And in Facebook, you guys can message me. Just comment. Hey, I want to I want to know more info and I'll send you the link there. But when it comes to this idea of inner child. And you think about, oh, you have to reparent yourself because your inner child needs healing. Well, what that actually means is like you need to be fathered by God. That's what that actually means, because the reality is you don't know what you don't know. You and I both. We don't know what we don't know. But guess who does? God does. God knows. Now, that doesn't take us out of the equation for our personal responsibility in the in the matter. What it does mean is that we use our responsibility and our choice to seek God and his perspective to help him allow change in our hearts. So we come to him and we just give him permission and we say, Lord, you know every hair on my head. You know all the things I've been through. You know that as a child that I went through X, Y, and Z, or you know what I don't know. And I see this come up regularly. I see this come up because I don't trust the other person. I don't hear them for what they're actually saying. I don't trust myself. And so therefore, you know, something is off or I keep finding myself in these cycles or patterns. So, you know, so help me to understand, Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to show me that I need to see? And I would encourage you straight up, go to the Bible, like, this is a great place to go. Come to him, ask him those questions, ask him what comes to your heart, but then look in the Bible and say, Lord, you know, I don't. So help me see, help me understand what I'm reading here. Because if I believe that, you know, and if I believe you can show up, then I believe you, you will. And I believe you'll actually change something in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. You're going to change something. You're going to allow that change to happen in me. And he will, he will do it but you actually have to go to him and allow him. You have to seek him and allow him to be that, to be that person. So I see trust being like a really powerful, uh, a really powerful display of health and relationships. And one of the main reasons it's not there for a lot of relationships is simply because of trauma from past relationships, from relationships that have nothing to do with the one that you're in. 
That actually is where things break down. That's the crazy part about it. Now, Adelaide asked the question, would you share a conviction a couple might have together? And I think one simple conviction, I've already shared many just through talking, but one simple conviction is a great question um, that my wife and I share is that Jesus has our lives in his hand. And I, I don't, I'm not just sugarcoating with Christianese language. I'm like, that's, that's authentically what comes out of my mouth when I think about a conviction we both share. Meaning, like push comes to shove, really tough situation. We're talking, you know, life's in jeopardy, that kind of thing. It's like, we both trust that. And that's a conviction we both have. And we've talked about it. And it's been out in the open. It's been, hey, you know, this is, this would be hard for us. But we trust like, hey, this is, we are not in full control of this thing. We are not in full control of this thing. And we, we both have made a conscious choice, not an agreement that we made just because other people are doing this, you know, thing for us and we choose to follow them. No, we've made a conscious choice personally, individually, and together as a couple that that's, that's something that we believe. That's a conviction that we both have. And we've talked about it openly. It's not something we wake up in the morning and talk about, but it is something that we've talked about openly. So I hope that that makes some sense. I hope that that's helpful. If you guys have more questions, I would love to answer those um, if I can. Now, another thing in terms of being able to have a healthy relationship, it, it, this ties into everything that I was just saying, but it's this idea of keeping your own identity within the relationship and allowing uh, the other person to maintain their identity too. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you keep your identity if you don't know who you are? How do you personally keep your identity in the relationship? I'm not talking in a self-protective way. I'm talking about in an honest, healthy boundary way. How do you keep your identity if you don't know who you are? How do you keep your identity if you don't know what identity means? Identity practically for real life is how you see yourself. Identity for real life is how you see yourself. It's in your values and value that are displayed through your values. And it's in the things that you do. So it's made up of who you are and who, you, who you're choosing to be and the things that you choose to do and how you see yourself as a result. That's your identity in terms of like your perspective of yourself. Now, here's the thing. If you've never had God father you, then you're just choosing to make your identity based on what other people perceive of you or what you perceive of yourself, which for me is influenced by everybody else, unless I allow God to father me and influence my mind, influence my brain. And if he's a perfect father, he's going to give me the identity or understanding of how to see myself in, the, in his eyes, not based on who I've been, but based on who I'm becoming, based on the man that he is asking me to be, that he's called me to be. But because of the broken world, maybe I'm in a process of redeeming. He's in a process of redeeming, which is the true story for me, right? And that's just honest. But how do you maintain that healthy identity between two people if you just have no idea what that means? And you haven't gone through that process. And that goes back to those four things that we talked about, the four stages of identity formation from four to three to two to one. And at two, you really know that something is not clear to you and it really matters. And you're going to figure out at all costs what it is. You're going to develop those convictions to be at stage one where you're at peace. You understand who you are. You have an understanding of your identity. And that's an overflow that you share with other people, not from a victim mentality. Okay, not from a mentality where they're powerless and you're powerless and everybody needs to do this one thing. 
it's like, you know, and you need help in this way. It's like, no, there's, there's actually a trust and understanding that people are on their journey. They're going to figure it out. And we can be open-minded to the different ways that, that God operates, but we have understanding of how he's operated in our lives, or at least a, a basic understanding. And we know that we don't know. And that's key in that first level of understanding identity. So I hope that that, that helps you guys just a couple more and I'll wrap up here. But um, again, if you guys are listening and some of this stuff is making sense to you, I'm going to strongly encourage you to join me on February 18th. We're doing real talk. It's going to be, uh, basically I used to do these live events and I would do them in person and I would travel. I've started this whole thing. I started, we do private coaching um, and just been developing a company and growing over the last six or so years. And this whole thing started when I, I did private events. And the first event I did was called Welcome to Yourself. And it was it was off of a vision that really I believe God gave me, an impression God gave me. Um, there were some prophetic things that happened uh, right around that time. I was at a very low point in my life. Anyway, I started this event. It was Welcome to Yourself. hosted it in New York, went to D.C. and then to London and started getting paid to speak professionally um, and started growing coaching. And I sacrificed a lot of different things along the way. Um, and I say I sacrificed, meaning I chose to lay certain things down, uh, to, to lay certain paths and, and I would say more certain paths down. And, um, and in the process, you know, I, I hit a bunch of roadblocks and stumbling blocks and all these other things, but um, God has been faithful. And uh, these events that ended up turning into in 2019, it turned into the living room tour and clients would host me in different cities and we'd have people come who might benefit from listening. And all of these different things started happening. People would have these insane breakthroughs. Uh, they would have these insane breakthroughs just in these like small gatherings uh, in these different cities. And um, and so, you know, when I told my team this year, I was like, you know, everything's online and it's less personal and there's there's less connection. But I was like, we we really have to. I, actually, I feel convicted about this in many ways. I was like, really have to do this. We have to do these uh do these events and we have to do it in, in our way, like the way that is authentic to, to who we are. I said, we got to do this different. So I, I was like, I'm tired of the titles. I'm tired of the gimmicks. I'm tired of all the other stuff. We're going to do something called real talk. And it's going to be a two hour session where people are going to get that live moment of clarity type of moment, hot seat moment where people can volunteer and bring their stuff to the table, whatever that looks like. We typically are working with, I call it, you know, the, the smart Christians who are a little bit disconnected from their potential. And that's, that's typically who we're working with, but anybody is welcome to join. Um, we're going to just kind of show you the process. I'm going to be speaking from my story. I'm going to be sharing vulnerably some of the realest lessons that I've had. It's not scripted. None of this is scripted. Um, and neither will the event be, but we have some powerful moments. People get a lot of clarity and, um, and everybody who signs up is going to have the opportunity to have a private coaching call with my team. So you know, it's a one-on-one -on -one coaching call free if you sign up for this event and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're interested, if you're on Facebook, you can message me. I can get you the link. If you're on Instagram, you guys can go to my um, IG profile and I will get you more info if you have any questions. Um, how do you expose something you have been believing that is actually a biblical lie? Man, that's a tough question. I got a question. How do you expose something you've been believing that's actually a biblical lie? So here's a very simple answer. 
Um, when I don't know what I don't know, which is really, that's what it's, that's what it's about. You're like, how do you expose a blind spot? <laughs> that's what you're asking, right? How do you expose a blind spot? When I don't know what I don't know, I literally ask God to search my heart. I said, God, I'll just literally, it's as simple as God search my heart and help me see what I can't see right now. And I'll, the, I'd say the first thing is there's this normally a signal for me to do that. There's normally a signal for me to be like, oh, this is, this is the time for me to actually ask that question. And it's when I hit a, I, I hit a rut, I get stuck. I, I'm facing the same cycle or pattern. And I'm like, man, I'll be like, man, what is it that I'm totally blanking out on here? What is it that is just totally past my, my purview, my, um, my line of sight? What is it that I need to actually address here? And so I'll just say, God, can you search my heart? Help me see, help me reveal, uh, or, or reveal to me, you know, what it is that's going on inside of me. And then I don't think like 16 times about it. I'll just write down what I'm sensing, you know, he might be revealing to me and I, I receive it open-handedly. I receive it open-handedly. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, if you want to give me a scripture, especially if you're talking about, is it biblically a lie? I mean, for me, even there's some, that can get nuanced, but I'll say, can you show me a scripture? Can you show me something that I know? Because in spirit and scripture, you work together. So can you show me a scripture that I need to read? Can you uh, confirm something to me? Can you help me see what I can't see? I mean, that those are the kinds of questions that I might have in those moments. The other thing is too, I mean, we work with a lot of people doing exactly that. Like we, they come to us, there's like, hey, we're normally, you know, reaching our potential and we're not right now. And there's something that we're stuck on, health, wealth, relationships, whatever it is, um, some kind of goal, some kind of thing, this, that, the other, I'm just like lacking freedom, lacking fulfillment. There's an unlock. I need like something in my mind. And so we're helping people through a lot of that stuff. And I think a very practical way to actually get some clarity is have somebody ask you questions because you can't read the label from the inside of the jar. So anyway, I hope that that makes sense for you. Um, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask. Um, I would say this, this, other, this other point I'll make, and we'll kind of wrap up here because I've already been going almost 40 minutes, which is crazy. Um, this other point, and it's good to see some of you guys, Victoria, Tut, what's going on, David Robbins, Anastasia. It's good to see you guys, Carl. Yeah, Rob, Kelly, Esther, Reed. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for joining. Um, the other thing that I'll say is there's a, a very simple way to to really have like a sign of good health in your relationships, a very simple way. And um, that's if somebody speaks life over you. They speak life. And so it, a friend of mine once said, if, if um, death and life are by the power of the tongue, nothing neutral is ever spoken, right? If death and life are by the power of the tongue, nothing neutral is ever spoken. What that means is, you know, if you're thinking like, Okay, I, you know, when somebody speaks life over you, they're not speaking death over you. And and my wife and I are actually highly conscious of this with each other, um, which is like, are we speaking life over one another? Are we speaking encouragement is another way. People have different language for the same kind of thing. And so are we speaking words of life and affirmation and encouragement? Or are we speaking things that are not? Because if it's not life and affirmation and encouragement, um, then it is, if it's not that, then, then it's death to us. Right. So, um, and yes, I will make sure that it's on replay Anastasia. 
Um, would encourage you guys February 18th, if you're like, man, I, I really need to just like make some concentrated time and effort. Real talk. We're doing a two hour session. I'm hosting it private videos on notebooks out. Like we're going in, um, that link is in my bio. So I would strongly suggest that you check that out. Just read through it. If it resonates, you'll know, and you'll say, yo, this is for me. Um, so we'd love to see you guys there. But are there any other questions before I go? Are there any, any other questions just around the idea of having healthy relationships and maybe even just thinking about like, you know, something I might have said that wasn't clear or something that you were hoping maybe would be addressed as I was talking about signs of healthy relationships or even if you just showed up and you're like, hey, I'd just love to know this. Um, while I'm kind of leaving that with you, there was this final one and I think it's really important because we do this. I never knew that this was like a gift but this is something that's really important and it is creating safe space, creating safe space. A lot of people do not feel safe in relationships. A lot of people don't feel safe in their relationships. Think about that. Don't feel safe in a relationship. Okay. Remember the idea of trauma we talked about earlier. And when people have gone through some trauma in their life, they're like, Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, they, they don't know what to do about it. Uh, they don't even know necessarily like what they don't know about it. And so when, when they go through trauma, what they do know is that, wow, there's like, I'm not safe around this person or there's something that's off or something. And so the reality is, you know, it's, it's our job to seek and our personal responsibility to kind of seek healing. Okay. That's the first thing I'll say. And the second thing is if you're that person on the other side of the equation, recognizing through you seeking healing, that you can see through your pain and see other people's situation. That allows you to be able to meet them where they're at and create that safe space for them to kind of be themselves, to process, whatever it might be. You're not going to do that if all you're doing is seeing everything through your own pain and assuming that everything they say is meant to hurt you and all of these other things, you actually have to, the only way you're gonna do that, the only way you're gonna be successful in creating a safe space for somebody is that you genuinely see what they need. You genuinely see what they need. And that's gonna be absolutely key, absolutely key. Another question, why does trauma cause deer in the headlights reaction in people? Yeah, I mean, so if we make this super simple, um, talking about safe space, so, in your autonomic nervous system, you have two tones that you think about not a light switch like on off. Think about more of a light dimmer, like it can be all the way one way in the middle, all the way the other way. And so you have these two kind of tones that you can states that you can live in, not necessarily you're in one state or the other state, but it's kind of a combination of the two at any given time. One of those states is rest and digest, parasympathetic tone. The other state is uh, sympathetic tone, okay? And this is fight or flight state. And you can kind of operate in any kind of uh, place between those two states, right? And so when you go through trauma, what happens is then later you get triggers. And I, again, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a whatever. I just lived through this stuff. So you get triggers. And when you get triggers then you go from rest and digest state to fight or flight state. And we see this happen all the time. It's like people get a text message, they get a trigger, boom, I'm afraid, freeze. Fight, flight, or 
is fight or flight state is actually fight, flight, or freeze state. Think about that. Fight or flight state is actually fight, flight, or freeze state. So when you get triggered, you can freeze. And it's like, oh, what do I do? And that's what happens when trauma triggers you. And you could have somebody you'd never met before. All they say is one thing and boom, you're triggered and bam, you're just back in the past. And you don't even know where the past you've been because your brain blacked it out. For me, for example, I remember when my dad was sick and I used to, uh, and not I used to, I, I would grab his hand and we'd grab hands like this, thumb to thumb. Um, I remember I was on, uh, I was on like within a month, like two weeks. We did that for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, that's an exaggeration, probably like a week, two weeks. It felt like years. And um, anyway, so bear with me because this is kind of more a personal moment. But um, I was with my wife. She was my girlfriend at the time. We were in a ro rocky place in life. And uh, I was, and she she and I were in a difficult time. Anyway, so we happened to be in Ireland for my, fr my best friend's wedding. And we chose to go you know, hike or something. And I reached down for her hand to help her up. And uh, it was the same motion that I'd been doing, you know, for like a week or two, a couple of weeks earlier, as my dad was passing and this whole thing. So um, I just lost it. I just lost it. Just from that one motion, my brain had had triggered this connection to what had just happened, which was the most consciously traumatic thing in my life outside. So then what became conscious later was the adoption trauma, which is a whole nother discussion. But consciously, that was the most traumatic thing that had happened to me consciously in my life. And so I got triggered and, uh, and I lost it. And um, that's a practical example of what that looks like. And so I, I've been through a lot of healing on that, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And so it's not just a hand motion thing. It could be a text message and some word that somebody says or the tone somebody says or the this or the that. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoop, I'm in another planet right now. And so if you're not self-aware, um, you can really get lost there. Hope that answers your question. Can I do more than just pray for people who love, we love, they're going through this, but we have to love them from afar. Tell you what, let me just put it straight, Okay. Because I'm going to be real. Prayer works. Straight up. Prayer works. Prayers, man, period. Prayer works. I don't even have any more for that. Um, so that's the first thing I'll say <laughs> is do more than just pray. Hey, prayer works. Um, and if you haven't experienced the power of prayer yet, back to the first thing we were talking about around conviction. Holy moly, man. Like that is one of the best things. What's up, cuz? That's one of the best things that you can have is the realization that prayer works. Now, you may be asking that question knowing prayer works, and I hear you, and I hear you on that. I'm just making it abundantly clear to anybody who's listening that prayer works. Um, prayer is conversation with God. It's not just a kind gesture or manners or something you do religiously. Um, now, is there something you can do practically for somebody who's maybe going through some difficulty and you're, you have no, no choice but from afar? Absolutely. Um, I got a question about book recommendations. I wouldn't send somebody a book unless you get their permission, especially around this topic. I would say Changes That Heal is one of the best books out there with regards to relationships and um, going through that. So Changes That Heal, no question. 
Um, it's by Dr. Henry Cloud. I'm not sure if Townsend writes in it either, uh, but Changes That Heal. Look it up, Amazon, powerful book. So Anastasia, I think you asked that question and there's your answer. And the other person who asked that question, um, I see you. And um, yeah, I mean, prayer is a powerful thing. It works, but books definitely help. Sending people to resources absolutely helps. I'm the dude who, again, six years ago, I wish I was hearing somebody like like me talking right now. I really, um, <laughs> yes, sir, David. I really wish I had had somebody speaking into my life. And frankly, like that's part of what we're doing with coaching too, because we do private coaching. Um, it's not counseling, but we have counseling moments. It's not life coaching, but we coach as a tool. It's not, and we call it life coaching, but it's really, it's so much more. There's deep stuff going in there. There's some consulting, some facilitation, there's some counseling, some coaching. It's whatever you want to call it. We're just helping people live lives we know they're created for, period. And for me personally, like I didn't even know that was a thing back when I was going through my own ish. So if somebody had pointed me to a guy who had been going through it, who had gone through it, and could speak with authority because of what God had done in their life, not just because they thought they were cool. Like I would have been like, dang, let me talk with them. Let me at least hear from them. And that's kind of our goal and our mission right now is we're just trying to get out in front of people to say, Hey, you're not the only one going through your stuff. We can help. We have a lot of resources that we're trying to put out. I'm offering a lot of stuff for free. But if you want to take it another step further, further, like sign up for counseling, 100% do that. Uh, do the inner healing thing, 100% do that. Pray, walk, drink your water, all those things. And when you say, hey, this is where I'm at, this is not it, something's not clicking. If you want to talk with us, talk with us. But hey, I'm offering this event, Real Talk, on February 18th for a reason because I know people need it. They need somebody to be real. They don't need somebody to stand there and go, I'm going to give you three steps to figure your life out. They don't need somebody who's going to say, I'm going to, you know, charge you the amount of money it takes for a coffee a day for 30 days to do blah, blah, blah. Like that's just not it. What is it is somebody who's being real and intentional and vulnerable but speaking from a place of authority of having gone through some stuff and not being afraid to say, I don't know, but also not being afraid to say, Hey, we do know that one and let's go for it right now. And so that's our intention. That's our hope is that you guys see that. Um, I know I'm a little off topic from the standpoint of we're talking about how to have healthy relationships. And I'm telling you about what I think needs, what the world needs, <laughs> but I'm also trying to be that as an example. I'm not just trying to talk about it. Um, and, and, I, and I hope that you guys see my heart on that too. Um, so anyway, I appreciate you guys and I would love to see some of you guys uh, on February 18th. So definitely check that out in the bio. Trust me, you'll know if it's for you or not. Trust me, you'll know. Um, I try to be explicitly clear as to who it is and isn't for. Um, but if you have questions, obviously contact me. And um, just a quick recap of some of the things we talked about. We're talking about being healthy in relationships if you're just joining. We talked about being healthy in relationships. Um, we talked about the idea of identity formation, and we talked about how you can develop conviction 
and the idea of developing conviction being the forefront, the foundation for you to have a healthy relationship. When you and your your significant other or or friends have healthy conviction, healthy conviction, conviction that is not healthy looks like extremist mentality, um, but conviction that is healthy, you are able to really establish a good foundation for shared values, goals, vision, trajectory. Uh, we also talked about the idea of um, having a sense of trust between you and the other person. And when you don't, how that can actually create, um, well, let's just say when you don't go through healing and all you have is your trauma, you see anything that that person says through the lens of that. And even if they are trustworthy, you don't see them as such. And that's an issue. Um, we talked about the idea of, of maintaining or keeping your identity separate from the other person. And what's important about that is, is really not trying to find yourself in them. But I think more important there is understanding that you can't uh, keep your identity separate from another person if you don't know who you are in the first place. So I hope that that makes sense to you. And then the last couple of things we talked about is, um, you know, encouraging each other and, and speaking life and not speaking death over one another. And death is a strong word, but y'all get what I mean if you understand what speaking life means. Too many people allow people to speak, uh, really, the word that's commonly used is negativity over their lives. That is not healthy. Like, if that's in your life still, that is not healthy. Like, cut that crap out. It is not healthy. So allow somebody to speak life over you. And the, and the last thing is tied to a lot of what we talked about around having somebody help you feel safe around them. They don't need to coddle you, but they do need to recognize when maybe you're going through your own issues, you're going through stuff and, and create a space where they can feel safe. And that's something that as the type of person that I am as a high functioner really, really wants to get, you know, things done. Um, and it was just like cut through the noise. I had a hard time creating a safe space for my wife sometimes because all she needed was to feel safe. And that was, that alone made her feel valued, acknowledged and heard. But as for me, I was trying to draw it out of her and maybe that actually didn't make her feel safe at the time. Right. So anyway, I just want to leave that with you. I think that'll encourage some dude who's listening right now. Um, but I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you on Facebook. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. And again, I'd love to see you guys on February 18th. Um, please, even if you're not going to show up and you say, yo, this looks like it could be for somebody that I know, like send it to them ASAP, get them signed up, say, hey, this is going to be powerful. This is going to be powerful. We're going to do an intimate session. I, I said, um, and I mean it on this, I, we're calling it Real Talk. And I called it, what did I say? An intimate live online experience. Don't sign up if you want another boring online event you're not engaged with. <laughs> sign up to experience very clarity. You can apply imme immediately. Your future's calling. If you know it's time to cut the BS, start getting real about the life you're living while you're here, sign up for this. All right. Um, we are going to do um, some hot seat coaching is what we call it. Basically, you just get to volunteer to sit in the hot seat if you want to. Um, other people are going to be in that space too. And we create it safe. It's going to be powerful. So come ready with your video on Guards Down Notebook and Pen. Um, that link is in my bio. If you want to watch this, I'm going to have it on replay. Please go ahead and share that with somebody today. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Peace.